How many of you wonderful people are ready for God's Word? Come on, how many of you wonderful people are ready for God's Word? Well, next Sunday, we are starting a brand new sermon series that we are calling Relentless. We're going to focus on that word, Relentless, for the month of March and looking at some themes that I really believe God wants us to be relentless about. Next Sunday, it all begins. You're not going to want to miss next Sunday. And uh, it's, it's a visionary message, and I believe that you will be encouraged and challenged. Well, today we are concluding our sermon series called Unlikely. And we've discovered that the word unlikely means not expected to happen. It means improbable. And we've been exploring some passages of scriptures in the book of First and Second Samuel. And so we're going to conclude with that today. I want to give a shout out welcome to our online church, people that are watching in our city, our province, our nation, and around the world. Thank you for choosing to be a part of this. Well, today I want to focus in on an unlikely event. We're going to explore an Old Testament obscure passage of Scripture that seems absolutely ordinary. In fact, you're going to think, what can you find in this passage of Scripture? Well, there's lots there, and I believe you're going to be encouraged. But just to kind of give you an idea of where we're going, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. I'm going to read to you in the introduction two verses that this wise person named Solomon Penn, Proverbs 16, verse 9, he says, In their hearts, humans plan their course. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. The Lord orders their steps. You can plan what you want in life, but God will direct, God will establish, God will order, God will guide, God will lead you. And in my life, I'm going to share some stories today of how God has guided me and led me. That same theme is found in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24. And in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? God orders, God guides, God leads, God directs our steps. And so we're going to explore that theme. And I want you now to get your Bible and go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 9. And we're going to look at an amazing story where the donkeys are lost and they're going out to look for the lost donkeys. And there's a phrase that I couldn't shake. It's kind of like the key phrase for today. And here it is. It's not about the donkeys. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. It's not about the donkeys. And you're going to discover today in this great passage of scripture, it feels like it's about the donkeys, but it's honestly, it's not about the donkeys. And in your life, there's things that you think it's all about, but it's not about that. God is using that to lead you where he wants to take you. It's not about the donkeys. So I want to, I want to explore first Samuel chapter nine Verse 1 down to verse 24, and I want to break it into three parts. Number one, the first thing that I I just want to camp on is, number one, God's guiding hand in your life. Number one, God's guiding hand in your life. In my life, God has guided me long even before I was born. And God's been guiding me all these 57 years of my life. And it encourages me to think that God guides me and leads me, and he is doing just that for you. So let's break that down into three parts as we're looking at the first 14 verses. Number one, the first thing I want to share with you is, number one, God is at work in your family background. He's at work in your family background. So let's look at our text, and let me share a little story with you in a moment. But in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, it says, there was a Benjamite. And we're going to discover that God's at work in the family background of Saul. There's a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish. Everybody say Kish. One, two, three. Kish. 
He's the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechorath, the son of Aphiah, of Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was one of the tribes of Israel. It was the smallest tribe. It was located between the northern and the southern kingdom. It's a small little tribe. Look at verse 2. It says here, Kish had a son named Saul. He was a handsome young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. Good looking and tall. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, Israel was longing for a king, and here's the king. God was preparing their first king. He's Saul, he's good looking, and he's a head taller, and he got the attention of the people. It was way back in the early 1900s, there was a, a man by the name of John, and he was called Johnny by his friends, and he was just a young boy that he left Glasgow, Scotland on a boat as a young boy, ended up in a foreign country called Canada. He's my grandpa. And a large family, this Scottish man and a large family that was highly dysfunctional. And he was just a young boy, and somebody invited him to a vacation Bible school at a Pentecostal church in Guelph, Ontario. That was his first exposure to church, and it was a Pentecostal church. And he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Young boy, just went there, left, and fast forward in life. He meets my grandma. They get married. My mom was born. She's an only child. And he had baggage all over his life. I mean, he was messed up. He was a drunkard. He had anger issues. I mean, it was huge. One day, my mom and my grandma are invited to a crusade in Guelph, nine years of age. My mom accepts Jesus in her life. She goes home that night and prays, Jesus, if you could save me, would you save my daddy? And grandpa came home in a drunken stupor, and Holy Spirit got a hold of him. He got on his knees, gave his heart to Jesus, poured the alcohol down the drain, was set free from alcohol, saved all in the same moment. Somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. Absolutely amazing. I fast forward many years, and it was right here in our old auditorium about 19 years ago. Our young people are at a at a youth camp, at Lakeshore Camp. They come home. They bring the guest speaker, a lady named Joyce Heron. Joyce comes from Vancouver, and she was an evangelist, and she started a ministry called Jacob's Well. And I'm sitting on a back bench in the old part of our building, meeting Joyce for the first time, ask her where she's from, and I'll give you the short version. It was weird. Her lineage sounded like where my family was from. That doesn't make sense. She said, yeah, my grandparents live in King Carden. I said, King Carden? I said, my, my grandma and grandpa moved outside of King Carden. Well, they actually lived outside of King Carden in a little area called Point Clark. And I said, well, that's where my grandparents moved to. It's weird. Before long, we realized that Joyce is, is my mom's cousin's daughter. And I called up my mom. I said, why didn't you tell me about Joyce? She said, Joycey, I heard she found Jesus. I said, mom found Jesus. She's an evangelist. She's traveling all around the world sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And we're in the back room, and I'm, well, you're my cousin. I've never met you before. This is cool. And she tells me about her dysfunctional background. I tell her about mine and how Jesus broke the chain of dysfunction. How many people believe Jesus can break the chain of dysfunction? Amen. Come on. How many people believe Jesus can break the chain of dysfunction? Before you were born, God knew you. He knew where you would be raised. You weren't born where you were born with no... God saw that you would be born where you were born in the family you came into. And he knew that you would be in this church this morning because God doesn't make mistakes. Number one, he, he, you need to hear it today. You need to hear it. I wish I had more time, but I just want you to get it in your spirit that, that God, God is at work in your family background, number one. Number two, God is at work 
write this in your notes, in interruptions and setbacks. Anybody ever had an interruption in life that you didn't like? Come on, everyone's hand should go up. Or a setback? God can turn your interruption and he can bring a divine disruption to bring good. He, could, he can take that setback to use it as a setup for what's your tomorrow. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, good friend, and he's been walking through cancer and everything in his life has been put on pause. And I said to him, I feel in my spirit this interruption and this setback which the enemy's trying to use to hold you back, God is going to turn it around to propel you into where he wants you to be. I believe your best days are yet to come. And so if you're in the middle of an interruption and a setback, understand that it's not about the donkeys. I haven't forgot the expression. And so we're going to read that this morning. Let's let's go to our text. Let's look, if we could, for just a moment at verse 3 and verse 4. Look at the screen. Now, the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. He was a rich man. He had donkeys. They didn't have fences. The donkeys took off. I don't know how many left, but all the donkeys, a walt, and it's not about the donkeys. They were lost, and Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you. They were well off. He said, take this guy, take one of my servants with you. Go and look for the donkeys. Let's look at verse 4. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area through Shalisha, but they didn't find them. They went into the district of Shalem, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they didn't find them. And so if you track the distance that he traveled, it honest to goodness would have taken him like two to three days to do that journey, looking for the donkeys. Now, can you imagine? Go find the donkeys. It's like you lost your dog, and you're looking everywhere, and you can't find your dog. But they can't find, I mean, there's a lot of donkeys. Where are they? But it's not about the donkeys. You see, Saul thought it was about the donkeys, but God had something bigger and greater. It's not about the donkeys. And your interruption is not what it's about, but God will use the interruption to bring about what he wants to bring about. Amen? God will take what the devil meant as a setback. God will turn it around and turn setback into set up because that's how God works. The devil can throw things at you for your destruction, but God says, hey, I'm on the throne, not the devil. God will take your setbacks and turn them into a setup. Somebody say amen to that. Because it's not about the donkeys. Somebody make a t-shirt. Somebody hashtag it. It's not about the donkeys. All right. The third thing I want to say to you, wow, God is at work in and through the people he has placed around you. I don't want you to miss this point. God is at work in and through the people he has placed around you. I've discovered in my life that God will put people around me, that he will speak to them, through them, to me. And God is at work in the godly people that he has placed around me that will speak God life into me. Let's look at verse 5 and verse 6. Verse 5, when they reached the district of Zuf, I mean, probably three days now have gone by. Can't find the donkeys, but it's not about the donkeys. Saul said to the servant who was with him, come, let's go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. I mean, he's gone for three days. There's no cell phones he can't call home. There's no Facebook. I mean, there's no telephone, right? Alexander Graham Bell wasn't around in those days. And they're gone for three days. He's like, we better go back, or Dad's going to be more concerned about us than donkeys. Let's go home. But look at verse 6. Just a servant, an unnamed servant, is used of God and says, look, In this town, there's a man of God. He's highly respected. And everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. I love that story. 
I mean, perhaps God's going to use him to speak to us. If it wasn't for the servant, Saul would have turned around and went back. But it's not about, come on, say, it's not about the, it's not about the donkeys. And God used the servant. It was 1995. Evelyn and I were pastoring in Bowmanville. And we, we, we had left Montreal. We felt that God wanted us to step in, become a, a pastor and, or, and be, be a lead pastor. It was a long story, but it didn't happen. Felt the Lord wanted us in Bowmanville to be an associate pastor. And so we go there. And uh, we're there. And we brought up this, this guy who's my age from Dominica. Never been to Canada in his life. We brought him up to Bowmanville, put him through Bible school, and he became our resident evangelist. Never seen snow in his life. Picked him up at the airport, got him home where he's staying. Picked him up the next morning. It's a snowstorm. It's the middle of January. And my dear buddy, Willie, is standing outside with white shorts, white socks, and a T-shirt. I said, Willie, get in the car. They're laughing at you. This is Canada, buddy. It's cold. Took him to the mall, bought him a winter jacket, got him some jeans, thick woolly socks. But God used him greatly. I'll never forget, it was a Sunday night service, and he functioned in the prophetic. And for those of you who don't know what that means, God will sometimes use people to speak words of wisdom and words of clarity. And he looked down at me, and I don't know why he did it, but he read my email, and he speaks publicly. He says, and you, God's got a word for you. And he's pointing, I'm like, me? Yeah, you. And he publicly said in front of the entire church, you, and he mentioned the name of my senior pastor, will not be together much longer God has greater things in store for you. And I'm like, so we're moving. And all these people came up. Was, we're going to miss you, Pastor. And I looked at Evelyn. What's going on? I don't get this. We're moving. I don't know. Where am I going to go? It doesn't make sense. Here's what went down. My lead pastor became the district superintendent. It's a long story, but God had brought us there to become the next lead pastor. We weren't going to be together much longer, but I wasn't leaving. See what God does? I was 19 years of age, and I go to Bible college, Eastern Pentecostal Bible College. And, it, and, and I get there, and, I, and, and it's three years go by, and I'm ready to go into my fourth year. And the only way I can go into my fourth year is I had this amazing summer job where I worked for the Waterloo County Board of Education. And it's now 1984, and I'm making $10 an hour in 1984. I mean, that's big dollars back then. And it's going to pay my way to my fourth year. But this small church in Goddard calls me up and says, we want you to come as our first assistant pastor. Would you come? I went, met, said no. And then, and then I come home. I'm giving you the short version. I come home one day, and my dad said, I got good news and bad news. I said, well, give me, give me the bad news first. He said, I just got a call. They're looking for you. The Board of Education has canceled the program. You do not have a summer job. I'm like... I'm dead. I will never be able to afford my schooling. I mean, I've graduated, but I'm ready to go on to more education. And they said, I just hung up the phone, and the pastor from Godrich called and said, where's Mark? We really want him to come. And I'm thinking, door closes, door stays open. Maybe this is where God wants me. So I go back up to meet them. Get ready for this. Get ready for this. I get there, and they say I have to work part-time outside of the church to pay my bills because they couldn't afford me full-time. And I, let me go back, let me go back, let me go back. I'm a teenager looking for a job, 16 years old, and I get a job at a local grocery store called A&P, but it's not about the donkeys. I think I'm working at A&P to make some money to put gas in my car and, you know, that kind of thing as a teenager. But I get to Goddard, they said, you have to work 
and they said, have you done anything in life? I said, well, yeah, I work for the Board of Education. Well, you won't get a job here at the Board of Education. I delivered papers. Well, I don't think you want to deliver papers. I worked at my uncle's paint store. Well, don't think you want to do that. Oh, I worked at the A&P grocery store. They said, we have an A&P grocery store right beside the church. And I go into the A&P grocery store. You, you won't believe this story, but the manager that I worked for in Cambridge had just been transferred to the A&P grocery store in Goderich. Hired me on the spot. How many people believe it's not about the donkeys? Come on, how many people believe it's not about the donkeys? I think I'm working at a grocery store, but God said, I'm setting you up for your tomorrow. I'm leading you into your tomorrow. So God isn't working the people he's placed around. Now, number four, number four. I, I've got so much to share. I've got to go real quick. Number four. God is at work in the timing of events. God is at work in the timing of events. So I'm going to jump down. Uh, let, 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 me, let, me, let me do my best just to, to explain all of this. And uh, we're not looking at all the verses, but let's pick it up now in verse 11. God is at work in the timing of events. And so as they were going up the hill to the town... Actually, I think what I need to do, I think I need to go back and read the verses before so you can catch it. So let's, let's go back to verse 5. Let me read verse 5 down to verse 10. Let's back up here so I don't miss it. When they reached the district of Zoph, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let's go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkey and start worrying about it. It's verse 6. But the servant replied, Look, in the town there's a man of God. He's highly respected. And everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. Verse 7. Saul said to his servant, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We got no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? Verse 8. The servant answered him, look, he said, I've got a quarter of a shekel of silver. I'll give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Verse 9. Formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, come, let us go to the seer because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. Verse 10. Good, Saul said to his servant, come, let's go. So they set out for the town where the man of God was. Now, Number four, God is at work in the timing of the events of your life. How many people know God is never early and he's never late and his timing is always perfect? Do you believe that today? Come on, do you believe that today? Now, before I read this, I get up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, help me to walk in the Spirit. I used to get flustered and frustrated when the lights were all red. I mean, you're trying to get somewhere. Oh, come on, I'm going to be late. I've now discovered that God makes red lights go red for me so that I will have divine appointments with certain people at a certain time. You know where I'm going with this? I've honestly been in hospitals, and because of red lights and traffic jams, I was at the right corner in the right hallway at the right time to see the right person who needed to see a friendly face for someone to pray with them because God's timing is perfect. I want you to get that in your spirit. When you walk in the Spirit... Stop getting frustrated with red lights. Are you with me today? Stop getting frustrated with traffic jams. Amen? Stop getting frustrated when your timetable isn't going the way you want. God's timetable is perfect. Let's read verse 11 down to verse 14. As they were going up the hill to the town, this is verse 11, they met some young woman coming out to draw water. The ladies are coming out to get the water. And they asked them, is the seer here? Like, where's this prophet guy? Look at verse 12. This is amazing. He is they answered. He's ahead of you, but, but hurry now. He has just come to our town today. I mean, if they came the day before, if they came the day before, they would have missed him. You see, they're looking for donkeys for three days. 
if, if you get where I'm going, it's not about the donkeys. I mean, God used the donkeys to get them there at the right time. Hurry now, he's just come to our town today for the people have a sacrifice at the high place. Many people think it was the fellowship offering and they're going to the place of worship. Look at verse 13. As soon as you enter the town, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterwards, those who are invited will eat. Go up now. You should find him about this time. Verse 14. So they went up to the town and as they were entering it, Lo and behold, there was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. How many people believe God's timing is always perfect? Do you believe that? Come on, come on. Hopefully more than 10 of you. Do you believe God's timing is always perfect? So we're not going to get frustrated about the stoplights. We're not going to get frustrated when our timetable seems slower. God's timing is always perfect. And so number one, Get into your spirit, God's guiding hand in your life. Now, let's go to number two very quickly. I want to walk you through very quickly number two. I want to talk to you about God's working behind the scene in your life. God's working. God's working behind the scene in your life. It's like there's a curtain that's drawn, and God is setting the stage, and you don't see what he's doing. But inactivity, when you don't see activity, and it appears as inactivity, there's never inactivity in the kingdom of God. God is lining things up, setting things up. So, I mean, I'm 19 years of age. I'm grade 13. And I honestly wanted to be an accountant. And I applied at all these universities. Math came easy to me. And I love math. Want to be an accountant. All ready to go. At a conference in London, Ontario, London Gospel Temple, Holy Spirit speaks to me and calls me into the ministry. And I go at 19 years of age. Now, here's the amazing thing about God's timing. I'm in my first year, and lovely Evelyn is in her last year. If I went the year afterwards, I'd have missed her, and I wouldn't be married to her. And if she went a year sooner, she'd have missed me. It's okay to say, praise the Lord. I'm glad she found me. I'm on my way in, and she's on her way out. And I'm dating her roommate. It's a weird story. I go down to the cafe to get my pop and chocolate bar late one night, and my little friend says, would you like to meet my roommate? I'm 19, and I meet the roommate. Her name is Evelyn, and I thought, sweet Jesus, I have a problem. (laughs) That's honestly what went through my head. How do I end this, and how do I start this? But God's timing is always perfect, always. We're early in the ministry we're on holidays, we're in Ottawa, and we're just young. I mean, I, we had no kids yet, we're on holidays, so we're at a Swiss chalet, God's ordained restaurant. I think it was on Carling Ave. I honestly don't know where it was, and I'm sitting there eating my chicken, and I said to Evelyn, I feel the Spirit of God saying to me, someday, someday we're going to be in the city of Ottawa pastoring, someday. Fast forward years later, I actually got a call to be a youth pastor at a Pentecostal church in our city. It wasn't the right place, right moment. But God knew in 2001, January the 1st, that he would plant us here for such a time as this. We've been here 19 years. We're in our 20th year. And there's vision flowing and flooding from my soul. I feel like we've just been here 19 years. And I feel like the best days are yet to come. I really do. The best days are yet to come. The best days are yet to come. Let me, let me just move on very quickly here. My, my spirit's just, just overflowing here. I want to give you these three points. Number one, write this in your notes. Number one, God's plan 
precedes your present circumstance. God's plan precedes your present circumstance. So when you're in a jam, be reminded God has a plan. When, when, when you're in something you don't like, God's not like, where did that come from? I didn't see that coming. God is not shocked by what you're walking through. And it might seem like a setback, but I believe God's going to propel you from that setback into where he wants you to be. I want you to hear me. God's plan precedes your present circumstance. Now, I want you to look at verse 15. Here's a sermon itself in verse 15. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. Even before Saul came to where Samuel was, the Spirit of God had revealed to Samuel that someone from the tribe of Benjamin was going to show up, and he was going to be the first king of Israel. He's going to become the first. I mean, I just love this. God's plan precedes your present circumstance. God always does that. Now, I take you to number two, and please hear me. I believe this is a word for this church corporately, but I believe this is a word for many of you in this house today. Write this in your notes. God's plan is bigger than you. It's huge. It's huge. It's bigger than you. You as a church gave last year $3.618 million. Let that sink in for a moment. $3,618,000 for the kingdom. Use it. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate that. Put your hands together and celebrate that. Now, I'm going to say something in a moment, but I want to read the verse. I want to read verse 16. Verse 16, look at the screen. About this time tomorrow, God said to Samuel, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. Anoint him the ruler over Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. There was an anointing that would come upon him. There was going to be an appointment that would be before him. And there was going to be an action that he was going to take. God's going to use him to deliver from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for the cry has reached me. Now look this way. It's not about the donkeys. I mean... I mean, Saul gets to Samuel. All he wants to do is find the donkeys. And now all of a sudden, he's going to be anointed the king of Israel. Isn't that powerful? Now, I wish I could tell you, but I can't. It's too premature, but you need to hear this. Look this way. I believe this is the moment to plant a seed. The Spirit of God has been speaking to me as your pastor and to your pastoral team and to your board. Plans and clarity for what God has for this church in the days ahead. The only way I can illustrate it, do you remember the old Polaroid instant camera where you'd snap the picture and the thing would come out? Remember those days? Anybody remember those? And you, you blow on it, and all of a sudden the picture that was foggy became clear. You young people are going, what are you talking about? We got phones. I mean, it was a big old, and this thing would come out, and it'd become clear. I am sensing clarity from God for this place for the days ahead. And it's big. It's bigger than me. And it's bigger than you. But the plans that God has to do through this place in the days ahead, I believe if we submit to it, our best days are yet to come. I said our best days are yet to come. Come on, our best days are yet to come. God's plan is bigger than you. I'm just dropping a seat. We'll leave it at that. Number three. Here's a word for the house today. God will tell you what you need to know 
when you need to know. Some of you, I want to know everything. That's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. God lets you know what you need to know, when you need to know, so you will trust him each step of the way. Are you, are you with me today? Now, if you told me that we were going to be here in our 20th year when we started here, I couldn't see it. I never thought of that. I didn't understand longevity. But I'll tell you this. The fruit and the reward of longevity is richer than I ever imagined. And when I get an opportunity to speak to young pastors, I say to them, don't you abort from your church too soon. God has a vision. Too many preachers bail too quick when struggles come their way and they leave before the dream is fulfilled. I tell you, church, God is up to something. We have like 30, 40, 50, sometimes first-time guests on a Sunday morning. There's like 2,000 people here between our two morning services on a Sunday morning. Our, our, our midweek children's program, the high number of our midweek children's program last year is the low of this year. God is up to something. God is up to something. And I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, God will tell you the what you need to know, when you need to know. Look at verse 17. Put it on the screen. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. This is the guy I spoke to you about. I told you. Now, here he is. He's the one. God revealed to Samuel the what and the when. He will let you know the what and the when. He will let you, he'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. So you just need to relax. But it's not about the donkeys, right? So if you don't got it all figured out, trust him. He's already in your tomorrow. Come on, are you with me today? Mark, you don't get it. I got laid off. Mark, you don't get it. I'm in transition. Mark, you don't get it. There's disease. I'll tell you, whatever the devil's throwing at you, I don't know if it's the devil. I don't know what it is, but I'll tell you this much. God is still on a throne, and he's going to take setback for setup, and it's going to propel you to where he's going to take you. Somebody say a little amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and, and don't run too fast with this, and it's, but just hear it. When we were pastoring in Bowmanville, we're in the midst of, uh, I'm a little nervous to use the word, but just hear my heart, it was revival. I mean, the place was jam-packed. People were getting saved. The power of God was falling. I'd literally walk out in the parking lot to get to my car, and people were in the parking lot, laying in the parking lot, touched by the power of the living God. I mean, it was, I, I can't explain it. It was, it was a powerful move of God. But behind the scenes, and I don't have the freedom to share it all, Mark and Evelyn were going to non-heaven. You know what I mean when I say that. I mean, there was stuff thrown at us. There was challenges. There was some opposition. And there's a long story why that was there. It was so, I was so discouraged. And then my wife gets cancer in her body. I mean, the devil threw one more nasty thing at us, and she gets cancer. Long story, the Lord heals her. And I, I know the devil threw that cancer at here, but here's what God did. I was so low and discouraged. The place is jam-packed. People are getting saved. The church is growing leaps and bounds. But I was so discouraged. I was ready to quit the ministry. I was ready to bail and just go work somewhere else. But now my wife has cancer. I can't leave and put her into uncertainty as she's walking through disease. So I don't run too quick with this, but the devil throws cancer to destroy us, but God took cancer to keep me in the ministry. And then he says, I'm going to heal her. 
Now, if you haven't heard this story, cancer's inner body, breast cancer, large tumor, they remove it and said it's spread. The church anointed her with oil. They prayed. They opened her up again, and what had spread was gone. Jesus healed her. Jesus healed her. Jesus healed her. And and, uh, here we are here. I'm going to tell you a quick little story, and I'm almost done. The last points won't take long. We had a youth pastor that had graduated from Bible college. He had long hockey hair, and he, uh, he was a Bible college intern. He's a volunteer youth pastor working with our full-time youth pastor. I ended up moving our full-time youth pastor to some other portfolio, and this hockey-haired guy became our youth pastor, got married, and he came from your church here. And I walked into your church and was at his wedding. I was at his wedding in this church. I fast forward. He walked into my office one day. He actually called me up as Evelyn was going through cancer and said, Mark, my wife and I would like to have you guys over for supper. And I said, well, we can't. We're on holidays. We're out of town. Da-da-da. Hung up the phone. And Evelyn said, who was it? I gave his name. I'll give his name in a few moments. She said, what does he want? I said, he's leaving. Did he tell you that? No. Well, how do you know? I said, he invited us over for supper. That's the first, that's like, this is weird. I got back from holidays Sunday night, walked into my office. He wept, he cried. He shared with me that he was transitioning to become your youth pastor. He's now the president of our Bible college. His name is Rich James. What I didn't know is that our youth pastor would precede us here (laughs) and we would follow him a few years later and come here. And Rich and I have worked together for like 14 years between Bowmanville and Ottawa, kindred in spirit. I only share that to say to you that God will tell you what you need to know, when you need to know it, and he makes no mistakes. He's working behind the scenes. He is setting things up. He's in charge, and it's not about the donkeys. All right, let me take you to the last point. I want to talk to you lastly, number three, about God's divine appointment in your life. And I want you to get it in your spirit that God has a divine appointment in your life. He's for you. He's not against you. Come on, somebody say amen. I said, God is for you. He's not against you. I said, God is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. Heaven has destiny over your lives. God has divine appointment over your life. Don't stay in discouragement. Rise up in faith. There's divine appointment over your life. I'm going to end this message with two thoughts, and then we're just going to worship. But here it is. Number one, write this in your notes. This is God's appointment in your life. Number one, God's plan is often different from yours. (laughs) Oh boy, I can unpack that for a long time. I want, I want, I want. God says, no, this is what I want. But I'll tell you right now, God's plan is often different from yours. Let me read verse 18 down to verse 21. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? He didn't even know it was Samuel. Verse 19, he said, I'm the seer. Samuel says, I'm the prophet. He said, go up ahead of me to the high place for today you're to eat with me. And in the morning, I will send you on your way and I'll tell you all that's in your heart. Verse 20, as for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've been found. But it's not about the donkeys. But, but God still took care of the donkeys. Amen? 
Don't worry, the donkeys aren't still lost somewhere in Israel. I mean, God still took care of the donkeys. But it's not about the donkeys, but God's plan is often different from yours. I mean, I mean, Saul thought it was about the donkeys, but God says, no, I'm going to use lost donkeys to get you to Samuel, and Samuel's going to anoint you as king. Verse 20. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've been found. To whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? Look at verse 21. Saul answered, but am I not a Benjamite? He pulls, he pulls the Benjam, Benjamite card. I'm from a small little tribe, from the smallest tribe of Israel. Is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Now, in chapter 8, Israel wanted a king. In chapter 9, God appoints the king. Samuel did not appoint the king. God appointed the king through Samuel. And so when Saul pulls the Benjamite card, I'm just a Benjamite little tribe. That was confirmation to Saul or to Samuel that this is the guy. Because God told him someone's going to come from Benjamin. And he's the one you're going to anoint. Hear this, please, church. It's not about the donkeys. And God's plan is always better than yours. Always. God's plan. Sorry, God's plan is often different from yours. That's number one. But God's plan is often different from yours. But then there's number two. Write this in your notes. That's the last point. God's plan is always better. Better than yours. It's different, but it's better. How many people want God's plan? Come on, how many people want God's plan? So let me, let me wrap it up. Let me read to you verse 22, 24. This is powerful because it's not about the donkeys. Verse 22, Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number, at this big celebration. Samuel said to the cook, Bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. I mean, the meat had been laying aside for Saul. So the cook took up the thigh, this is verse 24, with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. And Samuel said, here's what has been kept for you. <laughs> the meat's been kept for you. Eat because it was set aside for you for this occasion from the time I said, I've invited guests. And Saul dined with Samuel that day. Please look this way. I believe the Lord wants to speak to everyone in this place. That God's plan for your life is often different from yours. But God's plan is always better than yours. And some of you are stuck in a place called disruption, interruption, and setback. And I believe the Lord wants me to prophetically speak over you today. That God's going to take that setback to propel you to where he wants you to be. And what he wants you to do. And the best is yet to come. Because, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? It's not about the donkeys. Come on, somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. Come on, Brad. Come on, Brad. Come on, everybody, get on your feet. We're going to sing about the goodness of God. How many people know God is good all the time, all the time? God is good. I want you to know very clearly that God has been guiding your life from all eternity. 
And I want you to hear me as I say this. God brought you here to this church, and you were here this morning, not in Florida, but here. This is a divine appointment. And I feel in my spirit the Lord is saying to many people in this place, it's not about the donkeys. It's not about the donkeys. It's not about the donkeys. God has destiny over your life because the Lord is good. Come on, lift your hands. Let's sing to the Lord right now. Let's sing to the Lord. Let's sing to the Lord. Let's sing to the Lord. Lord.
ask that every head would be bowed and everyone's eyes would be closed in these final moments. There's two things as we close. Number one, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, a question to you in this main auditorium on the main level, up in the balcony and the risers, and for those of you that are watching on live stream, if today was the day that you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you're ready for heaven? I don't want you to walk out of this place saying, I think I'm ready. I hope I'm ready. I want you to walk out knowing that you're ready for heaven. Jesus loved you so much. He went to a cross for you. He died for you. Was there a time and a place that you personally asked Jesus to come into your life? You asked him to forgive you of your sins. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Giving in an offering doesn't make you a Christian. Reading your Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Those are all good things. But have you personally asked Jesus to be the center of your life? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're standing here today and you're like, I'm not really sure if I'm ready for heaven, but I want to be sure. In just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to count to three. And if you'd like to be included and led in this prayer to ask Jesus to be the center of your life, I want you just to lift up your hand. And in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in prayer. So here we go. One, two, three. If that's you, you lift your hand high. And by lifting your hand, you're letting me know, I want Christ to be the center of my life. God bless you, friends. God bless those of you that lifted your hand. You can put your hand down. I want to lead you in this prayer, and we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today, I make my peace with you. I repent of my sin. I invite you in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your eyes. Look this way. Can we celebrate? Come on. Can we celebrate salvation? Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you made the best decision of your life. A couple of moments. When we walk out, go to the follow wall. We have a Bible for you. It's free. A little booklet for you. It's free. We have a new believers class. We call it follow. It meets on Wednesday nights. They can tell you about that. Consider getting baptized in water next week. There's a class right after this service. Now, church, tonight is prayer. Last month, 500 people came to prayer. We're meeting 6 to 7 o'clock. I hope you can come. It's going to be exciting. Our youth are coming back from the retreat. And Pastor Kyle has been telling me God's been doing amazing things. They're going to share a few testimonies. But 6 to 7 tonight is prayer. Amen. Now, before we go, I just want to say one more thing, and then I want to pray. If you're our guest, thank you for coming. I hope you drop by the guest lounge. We want to bless you. But I want to pray for everyone in this place that God would take what's been shared today and help us to live it out. So if you can do this, just lift your hands towards the heavens. Father God, thank you for this amazing church. Thank you, God, for their heart of worship. Thank you, God, for their their open hearts and ears to hear the preaching, the proclamation of your word this morning. I pray, God, that this scripture and this teaching would encourage everyone in this place today. I pray, God, that we would take it. I pray, God, we would know that for this church and for our lives, the best days are yet to come. God, we've been reminded this morning, it's not about the donkeys. And I pray, God, that would resonate in our heart. Give us a great prayer meeting tonight. Give us a great week. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Everybody shout it. Amen. Come on, give another clap offering of praise to the Lord. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you, friends. Have a great day. See you tonight.